you always have to sort of hold these two contradictory things in your mind. One is like the big exciting thing that you can't wait to be able to do. And the other is the, well, today I'm going to get up and do this piece of the puzzle. Welcome to the Acoustic Guitar Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Grizzle, joined for this episode by the brilliant guitarist and teacher, Jamie Stillway. For our last episode of the year, we gathered an expert panel to talk about your New Year's resolutions. Joining us is David Hamburger, author of the best-selling book series, The Acoustic Guitar Method, and Marlene Hutchinson, creator of the Learn to Play Guitar in a Day workshop. We kick things off by sharing our own musical resolutions. We also have tips for setting, measuring, and achieving guitar goals. Then we dive into your submissions. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash acoustic-guitar-plus. You'll find bonus lessons and episodes there. But wait, this month we're doing something special. We're unlocking part two of this episode for everyone. So whether you have a dollar to chip in today or not, you can still head on over to patreon.com slash acoustic-guitar-plus and listen to part two. No sign-up needed, no catch, just our way of saying Happy New Year. Now, let's get into our panel's guitar goals for 2023. First up is co-host Jamie Stillway. To be honest, I think for me, I want to get better at recording guitar ideas at home. I usually just do things for like voice memos on my phone, and I kind of want to make bigger sounds and just give myself a little bit of time to have a learning curve to like actually try and multi-track some things and get some bigger ideas for my big pop music plans. All right. I love it. Let's go. Uh, Marlene, do you have any guitar goals for 2023? Oh, usually my guitar goals um, are around like particular songs that I really like and I want to either try it a different way or try, you know, or try and emulate the original artist. When I'm really keen on getting the last part of the song because I have all the rest of it is the end of Hotel California. I just love that song and that that end riff that goes on forever just is so cool and awesome. That's one I would definitely love to get down. And David, how about you? My main guitar goal for next year is actually to keep trying to learn to play the drums. Uh, I mean, I only really just started um, a few months ago because it's a long story. But anyway, I have these drums and it occurred to me that if, as long as they were here, I could try to learn them. It's giving me, it so already like a lot of insight. I mean, I mostly play fingerstyle guitar and that's a coordination issue of its own. And playing the drums is like this gigantic metaphor for what you have to do when you play fingerstyle guitar. You got to keep these two or three different things going at the same time. And it's already... Even just those few months of like hacking around and being terrible at the drums and enjoying every minute of it has given me like a whole new way of actually teaching fingerstyle guitar that I've already started using with my students. So, um, so that they're definitely connected. And I always have 
some kind of music project going on outside of the guitar. And so right now it's the drums. Do you have any advice for sticking to goals? Because it's easy to make a goal. Like anybody could say, I want to I want to learn bop drumming, you know, just how do you stick to it, though, when the going gets tough? And how do you know when you've like achieved your goal? I personally feel like the the whole secret sauce to setting and achieving goals is setting realistic goals. So um, let's say you just started playing guitar and maybe you really want to learn, for example, Travis picking, but your goal you set uh in january is say to be able to play it by february and i think that's a lofty goal some people might be able to do that if they're playing and practicing every single day for a long time but the reality is travis picking can take most people a little while to be able to play so it's important to set a realistic goal so for example maybe you say I'd like to learn Travis picking by the end of the year. And then what I also recommend is that you also do things like set some some sub goals. So for example, by three months, maybe begin to understand the pattern with your fingers playing it slowly. Then maybe it's um, at a six month marker, for example, maybe you're playing it a little faster or maybe you're adding in some chords and then you know another goal say three quarters of the way through you know another goal for that so that by the end of the year in theory you would be playing travis picking with songs or with your music and so setting yourself up for success is what i think is the whole secret sauce to setting goals so jamie to answer your question when do you know if you've gotten to that goal i think you reassess as you're going through for in that example during the year and you know when you're at the point say at the end of the year and you examine did i can i play travis picking with what i wanted to play it with say a song and sort of second to all of that is sometimes we set a goal and as we're going through the process of learning whatever we want to learn we realize it might take us a little bit longer and you know it's okay if it takes longer than a few months or maybe it takes you a little more than the whole year to do it that's that's okay it it's just to me resolutions are about setting yourself up for success and having realistic goals that are achievable for you well put uh david uh what do you think well um yeah i think i think that all is is right on the money um my own sort of process for doing it and which sort of gets reflected in the way that i that i teach also is that um i like to have like three things like i like to have sort of the big thing that i'm going for and then i like to have a particular like resource to that, that makes sense to me. Like if I can find the right book or the right class or the right website or whatever it is, then I can sort of look ahead and see, oh, this is how it's going to happen. Like if I can get through this lesson, I can get to that lesson, if I can get through that lesson. I, can, I mean, and then the third piece of it is to have like a small regular practice time that I'm going to address it in. And when I say small, I mean like half an hour between four 
and six days a week at the same time or the same kind of time, like if it's always in the morning or it's always at the end of the day or whatever. Um, because the, the, big, the big goal is what's going to get you excited, like I'm going to be able to do this thing. The specific resource will keep you on track because you'll, if it's a good method or if it's a good teacher or whatever it is, I like to, I mean, I've had to, the things that I got interested in often, I couldn't find someone that I could learn them from directly. So I had to find like a good resource, but that would keep me kind of focused. And even if I wandered off to like listen to other records or try to figure other things out or finally got a lesson with someone, I still could sort of measure my progress by like, literally like giving myself a lesson every week and going, oh, well, this week I'm going to do like this page and this is the repertoire piece. Like I'm working on the first eight bars of this song. And then I'm also going to like, this is like the, the mental part is I got to learn these like eight notes on the fingerboard and how to find them. And then like the technical part is like, can I get to this chord, that chord and this chord at this tempo on the metronome? But if it's just a few little things and it's broken up into that sort of like the cerebral part and the physical part and the repertoire part, then I could literally say, well, just 10 minutes a day on each of those and I will have done my job for the day. And then I can play or goof off or not play or whatever. But <clears throat> that to me sort of inculcates, if that's the word I want, like a sense of having a practice, right? That you have this thing you show up for and good, bad, or indifferent. Like some days you feel like you're really crushing it. Some days you feel completely baffled. But by writing down at the beginning of the week, like this is my lesson, I'm going to do these three things. And then working through the week and making notes and saying, oh, it didn't work at 80 beats per minute. I had to do it at 70. Like you can go back at the end of the week and go like, oh, okay. Like I I always say like to students, like if, it, if you got, if you, if you felt like in the first couple of days you could do it great, it wasn't hard enough. If you felt at the end of the week, like you were still thrashing around, you gave yourself too big an assignment. And I think like for a lot of people, the real secret is learning how to teach yourself because we don't all have access to a teacher or it's COVID or it's, you can't find someone in your area who's interested in the thing you're interested in. If you can develop those skills to give yourself assignments and fulfill them, then you can kind of have this practice that you know, you start to feel like, well, if I learned that, I could learn this. And pretty soon it leads to this feeling of like, well, everything's, you know, you start to realize, like, you start to appreciate how long it takes to learn something, but also you start to develop the skills to teach yourself stuff so that if something else catches your eye, you can make a more realistic estimation of whether that's something you really want to put the time into, whether you think you can get there, what it might take to get there. Yeah, that's great stuff. I, I can, I'm inspired right now. <laughs> uh, I can't do it. <laughs> you know, for people setting their goals or having their resolutions, it's like, yeah, remember to like set realistic goals. And it's like, and also find the, I'm just going to sort of reiterate what they both have said. It's like realistic goals and find a way that it's going to make sense to you to, to, learn that information because I've seen so many people who show up with books or something and they're like, this is what I want to learn. And it's like, doesn't make any sense to them. And then they're instantly frustrated. So, you know, give yourself the time to find a way that is going to make sense to you, I think will go a long way in achieving that goal. I think it's really helpful too, because sometimes with resolutions, what can happen is say midway through the year, you kind of lose a little steam maybe, or it just doesn't seem as exciting or make, you know, sometimes you need to revisit and get excited about it again. Um, 
because you know halfway through if you haven't achieved it yet you might you might go wait i really did want to learn this maybe i don't have the right book maybe i need to get a different resource or whatever it is a different teacher so you know i think i think setting yourself up in those ways is is so helpful for achieving your goals yeah and just to amplify something both you guys just said it's like i I said this sort of cavalierly, like, oh, find a book or find a this. I mean, I think that's like one of the most important steps is to really take the time to find. I mean, I wanted to learn like four-part harmony and counterpoint for years. And I probably have a shelf of like 12 textbooks back there. But it wasn't until I found like just from listening to a random podcast, I found out that there was this online teacher in Canada that like had this great sort of online method for teaching like, you know, legitimate harmony and all that stuff that I was finally able to work on it. And so like taking the time to find the resource that looks like it's going to resonate for you is really valuable time to spend up front. And, and the thing about like having that bigger goal, but also breaking it down means that you always have to sort of hold these two contradictory things in your mind. One is like the big, exciting thing that you can't wait to be able to do. And the other is the well, today I'm going to get up and do this piece of the puzzle, right? Because if you get up, if you get up in the morning and, and it's like May and you're like, and I still can't do it, right? You've got to be able to look at these things that go like, you got to be able to simultaneously hold, like I can't do it yet, but today I'm moving this little piece of the puzzle, like down the game board, like a half an inch. And if you can find a way to groove on that, then you get to a place where like, there's just a pleasure in getting up and doing the practice and it feels good, kind of the same way, like, dragging yourself out of bed and like going to exercise. It's like nobody wants to get out of bed, but everybody loves how it feels once they're either doing it or once they've finished it. I think too, when you're working on whatever you're working on within that that map or that plan that you've drawn out, you know, um, acknowledging successes that you have, you know, within what whatever one little thing is that you're trying to work on that week, like doing it at, um, you know, a faster beats per minute or whatever it is, and just going, whoa, I, I did it. Like, right, acknowledging that you're getting there is really important because I think that helps you realize I will get there. Like David said, yeah, I use that a lot with my students. People will say, oh, I can't do this. And I say yet, you know, yet implies hope, yet implies that the success will come to you. So, and by by just kind of hammering away at it, what's that saying? You can't eat an elephant in one bite, right? So just little by little sort of working your way through, progressing through whatever you're trying to learn. So Nick, I know we have some statements from readers, and it might be a great time to bring some of these in because I'm reading them and I'm noticing I'm like, ah, oh, we're touching on so many of them. So we have Devin Burton who wrote, as it pertains to large and great guitar goals, 2023 is the year I hope to finally make that leap to intermediate guitar player from beginner. And we had a couple other people write in about making this leap from beginner to intermediate. And to me that it's like how do you how do you know like how would you determine that now you are an intermediate guitar player yeah and and to dovetail into that too uh steve clancy had a similar one uh steve says i know a few scales and something about what key i'm playing in but would really like to take my guitar theory and playing to the next level so it feels like we've got a lot of players who have certain uh bits of knowledge 
but they're feeling like, but there's this thing I don't know. Um, and it's, it's either holding them back or they just want to get better in some way. Um, I can think of a few specific definitions that they might want to try. Um, I mean, I don't, everybody's idea of what going from beginner to intermediate is, is different, obviously, but a few things that came to mind to me immediately were, um, being able to, being able to play through as, as much of a song as you know, without stumbling or stopping, um, being able to play without looking at the tab, even if it's just an eight measure or a, or, you know, 12 measure thing, if you're working on like a, you know, not a strummy, well, even whatever the strumming or finger picking or whatever it is. I mean, I see a ton of finger picking people, so I tend to think that way first. But, you know, um, if it's songs like memorizing the words to a song, so you're not having to look at an iPad or a piece of paper when you're like at a song circle. I mean, these are all the things that separate you from being feeling like you're still learning with these guardrails up. And to me, an intermediate is someone who can who can play for people or for a friend or with other people. And I don't know how you would measure it, but I know the way I would measure it if I was just wandering into a room full of pickers is, if, you know, I would see the people who could play a whole, would say, yeah, I'll go, could play a whole song, could remember the words, could keep good time. Those are three really foundational skills that if you can already play while looking at a piece of paper or you can play while looking at the tab, those are skills you can definitely build on and work towards over the course of a year without learning any crazy new pieces, without learning to do anything that's any harder than what you're playing right now. Those are just the musical chops that I, that I would say separate a beginner from intermediate. That's just my interpretation. But I mean, I would say just those kind of, those, that, just, that kind of solidity. And there's a feedback loop where when you can get up and do something like that, or I mean, not everybody's going to go perform, but I mean, if you're going to, just be able to sit and play, even if it's just for yourself. Um, those are the things that make you feel more confident when you can do them. So I think that there's kind of a virtuous circle that happens when you work on those skills and then you go and you try them out. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, what you said, David. And I think a lot of it has to do with confidence. Um, that's that's a, a big sort of indicator that um, someone feels like they can do something, but not everyone can be confident. What I will say, though, is that I believe um, as a guitarist, and, and David, you can answer this too if you feel this way, but I think I will be learning things about guitar till I take my last breath. So um, I think it's an ongoing journey. That's how I look at it. Um, as far as whether where sort of the dividing line is between beginner and intermediate again i agree with david it's it's sort of a bit ambiguous it it's an interpretation of what you feel but yes if you feel confident to play songs in front of other people if you can play your songs all the way through with either the picking or the rhythm pattern and the chords and it's smooth and um you know you have that confidence i would say at that point you are probably either at or near that intermediate level um you know there's sort of intermediate beginner intermediate there's intermediate advanced and so you know where do you fall on the spectrum um definitely having some solid skills under your belt 
chords, familiarity with notes on the on the fingerboard, picking picking patterns, uh, reading tablature, you know, those kind of things I think are super important to bring you to that that level. You know, I just thought of this. So I just thought of this as you were saying this. Really, I mean, yeah, yeah, that list of skills is is really essential. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the thing what we're talking about as far as the confidence is like it's basically, and I find myself saying this all the time, is just the difference between music that sounds kind of so-so and music that sounds really good is when the time is good, you know, and that's accessible to anybody. And a couple of things you can do, these are not, this is not a pretty process, right? But if you're willing to suck it up and play with a metronome, which is always going to sound wrong at first, and if you're willing to record yourself, so that you can actually provide your, you can actually get a realistic view of what it is you can and can't do. Whether you make an audio recording and just into your phone, or you make a little video with your phone, super casual, right? But this goes back to being your own teacher. Like the more feedback you can get on what you're doing, the more outside perspective you can get, because it's hard to know if you're rushing or stumbling. You may not even notice that you're dropping beats, but when you can look back at it and when you have a little tool there to measure it, um, then you can start to be, you know, you can start to analyze, you know, it's just like if you're going to write, you're going to look back and try to edit yourself, but you you never see your own typos, you know, like or you, you always miss something. And it's the same with, with, with the time feel. And I think that being able to play with good time is a huge differentiator between beginning and intermediate and it's and again it's it's accessible to anybody who's willing to put in the work and just pay attention to what they're doing and especially if you don't think of the metronome as something to catch up to but as a ruler that calibrates the speed you're already at or even slower it actually is like you can even use it as like this incredible slow motion tool to just slow everything down so you still know where the pulse is even when you're playing slowly and that lets you work at everything as if time had slowed down and you have the time to go, oh, I think that chord is over here, right? And then you slowly bring it up to speed. That's something you can work on at little by little all the time while you're doing everything else. And it'll make a huge, huge difference in your confidence. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I know um, for me when I'm learning anything new on whatever instrument, where it's guitar, drums, ukulele, whatever, it's, I hear the song in my head and it's hard for me to play it at a much slower tempo because I, I know that's not the speed. My ear is telling me you're doing it wrong. And having that metronome, it's kind of like, I don't know, part of it is like, no, you're you're allowed to play it slower. We're not playing the song. We're just learning this part. We're, we're getting the mechanics down or whatever it is. We're getting that chord change down. And then I don't hear the song. I just play the part, you know? And I think metronome is a great suggestion for sure. I wholeheartedly agree i think you need to learn everything slowly first get that get it down get the confidence of how to play it and then you can always you know speed it up yeah i, I want to get to a couple more uh responses here um one that jumps out to me um is uh spencer chisham and i'm sorry if i mispronounce your name spencer but my guitar goals are to improve how i practice and settling into a better routine I would also like to develop my lead playing. Any general advice on varying finger picking style would be great too. It's got a lot of stuff in there, but maybe we can take it one at a time uh, and start with like a practice and, and a routine. 
Yeah, I, I am so, so big on setting up a routine. I, and it doesn't matter to me what your routine is. And in fact, I think it's like super important to recognize where you have time or where you can make time to practice. For example, I have a student, he's vice president of his company, very busy, doesn't really have a lot of time during the day, certainly doesn't have much when he's at home because he's busy with his family. So he gets up super early in the morning and gets his cup of coffee and he plays for 30 minutes first thing in the morning because for him, it's just a great way to start the day. And that's his routine. And whatever he's going to work on, he works on for that 30 minutes. And then he has also has the guitar at his office. So if he's, you know, has one minute here or there, he'll play then. But but setting up that if you can daily or every other day, um, as much as you can, for example, maybe you can block out 15 or 20 minutes every day from 4 to 4.20. That's better than trying to cram three hours in on Saturday. Because having that, if you will, daily repetition is what's going to create what I call the muscle memories of what you're doing. And so it's it's repetition. And so setting it up, I, I challenge all my students to what I call the 30-day challenge. So I ask them to set up a practice routine, whatever it's going to be. And then I have them write it on their calendar, block out that time. And then I challenge them to do that for 30 days to see if it's a realistic or a realistic practice routine. And after the 30 days, evaluate what worked, what didn't work. But one of the things psychologically is after you've done something for 21 days, it begins to become a routine. And so what can happen with my 30-day challenge is that this could become your new routine. So those are some of my tricks of the trade. Well, and the thing I love about that is that, you know, you use this example of like a half hour increment, right? And I feel like that's the most I ever want to shoot for or the most I ever recommend shooting for. And then like I was talking about before, inside of that in my head or even like on paper, I'm dividing that up into like three little 10 minute increments because then it's like, well, 10 minutes, like, you know, I mean, 10, we all know like 10 minutes can go by, like just because you picked up your phone to look for a a note that you left for yourself and you ended up answering emails or looking at YouTube, right? So the time's going to go by like, you know, super fast. So, um, you know, and also it's much easier to sit down. I, I totally echo what you said about like a half an hour a day is way better than like three hours on the weekend because it is, and it is mostly muscle memory. And it's just like, you know, you wouldn't go out and like, you know, run for three hours once a week like that would make no sense right you, you gotta it's the repetition and putting in the the putting in the repetitions putting in like the little incremental uh the incremental stuff that makes a difference and the more specific you can get before the practice time actually comes the better so that when you're sitting down for that half hour you're not spending five or ten minutes like looking for the book that you wrote it down in or looking for the exercises or even like deciding what you're going to work on like i always try to know before the week starts well this is what i'm working on so that when i sit down i can be like well now i'm spending 10 minutes on this you know and then it's this and then it's this and then i'm done and you know that way you know what you're sitting down to do as opposed to sitting down to figure out what to do 
And how about uh, the second part of the question, uh, developing lead playing? Any tips for that? Most of us learn to or are taught to improvise or start to improvise by being given a chord progression and given a scale and being told, here, pour this scale over these chords. It's going to sound great. And really, again, it's like you once you're doing that, you end up then saying, well, but when I solo, it just sounds like I'm playing scales. It's like, right, because you're just playing a scale over the chords. It doesn't sound like music. Um, and the other problem is that when that doesn't work, you start to think, well, I, it must be that I don't know enough scales. Let me learn some more scales. And now you're pouring more scales over the same chord progression. And really, I think the, it's way more important to think about to figure out a way to learn about phrasing. And that may be by, which I mean the rhythmic shape of what you're playing, right? So like I can play a pentatonic scale and it's just gonna sound like a scale. It was actually a blues scale. But I mean, if I just play the scale, it doesn't sound like a lead, it sounds like a scale. But if I play a few notes, Right? Then it starts to sound like music, even though I'm only using the one scale. And so the thing is, now this is maybe specifically to, to blues or I don't know, but I mean, if you learn melodies on the guitar, the melody of the song that you're learning, um, it will inherently have a musical quality to it. It won't just be a scale. And so one thing you can do for learning to play leads is whatever song you want to play a lead on, learn the melody of that song, listen to how it's phrased. Once you know how the melody is phrased, if you can actually play that melody on the guitar, it's a finite thing you're not trying to make up out of your head. You're learning something that exists. But you can then use the rhythm of those of that melody and you can change the notes and you can play different notes within that rhythm and it will start to be more musical than just playing scales. I could not agree with you more, David. <laughs> Melodies. <laughs> I think one of the things that's also really important with playing lead guitar is finger dexterity and um, really working towards comfort with your finger dexterity. So of course there are exercises you can do for that, but um, like, sort of playing off what David was talking about, I think finding three or four notes within scales that you're like, oh, that's a cool sound. And then maybe try those in a different location on the neck of the guitar. And or maybe you take the chord and play with some of those notes in the chord um, individually and see what you like within the sound of that chord. So just starting to really get really familiar with what sounds sound good together and what sounds are not as compatible, certainly within um, sort of the, the song that you're working on. I just want to say one other thing to dovetail onto David's comment about phrasing is oftentimes with my students, sometimes I see that people don't really understand subdivisions of time. And when you make them play with a metronome, if you, you know, say like, you know, play triplets, it's like, oh, 
I don't know. And if you can sort of like simplify it with those three notes, maybe from the scale that you're comfortable with, and then say, I'm going to do quarter notes, eighth notes, triplets, and explore it, because that will also help you, you know, develop your lead plane, as Spencer is hoping to do. Well, that's the end of part one. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can listen to part two for free at patreon.com slash acousticguitarplus. Part two has more of your resolutions and more great insights from our panel. All you have to do to listen is go to patreon.com slash acousticguitarplus. The Acoustic Guitar Podcast is brought to you by the team at Acoustic Guitar Magazine. I'm your host, Nick Grizzle, joined for this episode by co-host Jamie Stillway. Our theme song was composed by Adam Perlmutter and performed for this episode by David Hamburger. The Acoustic Guitar Podcast is directed and edited by Joey Lusterman. Tanya Gonzalez is our producer. Executive producers for the Acoustic Guitar Podcast are Lizzie Lusterman and Stephanie Compost Dalbroy. If you enjoy this podcast and want to support us, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash acousticguitarplus or find the link in the show notes for this episode. As a supporter, you'll have access to exclusive bonus episodes along with other special perks. And if you're a patron already, thank you so much for your support.